lives and lifetimes scattered along the road. Someone said in town, I'm a rich man. I had all the things you lacked. I'll trade you all my fortune for the hammer and nails in your back. Well, there ain't no boats at any cost. You can't swim the tide or you'll be been quite a spring so far, hasn't it? Not like anything most of us have ever seen. So here we are, living through a global pandemic that's tearing apart the safety that we think of as our society, our relationships to one another, our beliefs, our politics, and our sense of trust. For a lot of us on any given day, it's difficult to know where to start and which way to turn. If you're in quarantine alone, you miss your friends and your family. And if you're in quarantine with your family, like, let's say, my daughter and my grandkids, hmm, I suspect there are days when you could definitely see getting the hell out of Dodge. And you can sure empathize with the kids feeling the same way. Now, I'm just joking. Most people are so grateful that they are going through this with their families. And I know that, and I see it every day. You know, history teaches us we've actually been here before. We humans have been through some horrific stuff, some really nasty plagues that lasted for hundreds of years. Yeah, we've been there, and we've done that, and somehow we've gone on. Sometimes sadder, and sometimes sadder but wiser. Sun won't 
so heavy there's hardly a soul in the street and with a sigh the world we knew passes by to read history to know that people did survive and did find purpose, joy, and inspiration even at the worst of times. Man, how do you do that? How do you help your friends and family do that? What can we hold on to in dark days? How do we find our strength and joy in the middle of pandemic, pain, and of course quarantine? Some people are tired of it and have opted to go out into the world and take their chances. But apparently, most people believe the science and are none too keen on exposing their families to this horrible disease. Well, I've been thinking. It is springtime, the universal moment of hope for all humanity throughout the ages. And though this spring is very strange, it's still magical. This year, spring has come late to the Northeast and the Midwest, winter still flexing its muscle, as if having to stay inside for months wasn't enough. But it will give way, as it always does. Deep into winter, my dream will live on. And the feeling of wanting a time is gone The silent uncaging of each fleeting thing 
to watch it go shimmering as it flies into here in Los Angeles after incredibly ferocious rains, our springtime has come in with a wallop. The hills so recently burned brown are glowing green with new life, and the famous wildflower fields to the north and south of us in Los Angeles have exploded in riots of color. Friends are posting pictures of their roses, their vegetables, their flower gardens, and their illicit trips to the wildflowers in Antelope Valley or down in the desert. See, we're not supposed to go there, but many can't resist. So there are some bright spots in this dark time. With our regular high-tech and high-urban means of living completely disrupted, people are adapting. All of a sudden, people are walking in their neighborhoods. People are adopting pets, baking, cooking, sewing, knitting, doing woodwork, all manner of things we always meant to get to, and discovering nature like never before. I'm excited about one silver lining in particular. In this crisis, people everywhere are suddenly planting all kinds of gardens flower gardens, herb gardens, vegetable gardens, and native gardens. I myself have had my hands full for years with flower and native gardens, but this year I decided to grow vegetables again and many more herbs. I must say I've not been the best vegetable gardener, but I'm sworn to do better this year. I've been at home since March with the exception of a couple of trips to my nursery, fully masked and socially distant, to buy all manner of things for the garden. Speaking to John, the owner, the place is jumping. And every time I've been there, well, all three times, it's been full of people, masked, keeping their distance, but buying a ton of merchandise. In fact, they keep running out of stuff. You know, it's really a wonderful thing to see. The nurseries are thriving. During World Wars I and II, people were encouraged by the government to grow victory gardens. And that's exactly what's happening now. Personally, I love it because I'm a huge fan of urban agriculture. And I also believe that time spent in the garden, working on it, enjoying it, caring for it, is intensely healing. There's much evidence, working with disadvantaged kids, that gardening is such a positive influence for them. The miraculous event of planting a seed and watching it turn into food or trees or flowers can be a life-changing event and give you a sense of connection to the world that you never imagined. My father said, some things you learn 
by only doing when it comes your turn everything comes around so be ready while you can prepare your heart like the farmer turns the land you plant your feet when the spring is tender when the summer beats down you pray for rain you hope for the harvest and the long cold winter and then you plant your fields again have, or should I say had, lost the connection to the ground, the earth, even though most at some point in their history came from farming families. I guess I've always believed that the Industrial Revolution and the subsequent modern era, while bringing in so many priceless and evolutionary advantages for humanity, also had one major defect, that people have been encouraged now globally for generations to leave behind their agricultural roots 
to forget that part of their histories and identities and flock to the cities seeking the newest and the best. The problem is that we've now had alongside our stupendous progress millions of people who've lost their roots and have no connection to the ground upon which they walk and the air they breathe. Meanwhile, family farming has begun to die out and we have these massive industrial farms, I guess you'd call them that, which are mechanized and chemically treated. Thousands of varieties of vegetables, fruits, and plants in general have been lost to us. Some, luckily, are saved in seed banks around the world, but many have vanished. For example, there used to be many varieties of asparagus, now there's only two. Oh man, someday they're going to have to save human beings in seed banks. But the greatest irony of all is that in the middle of this horrific pandemic, nature has once again planted seeds in the hearts of millions of Americans who are discovering or rediscovering her. I remember the moment when other parts of the world, for example Poland, everyone gardens and everyone is great at it and everyone will tell you what you need to do to make yours better. Everyone makes pickles and other things, even the wealthiest urban people with fancy apartments. I've seen this. There's always a stash of home canned goods from the family back in the country. I've seen the most outrageous gardens over there. And if you ever see pictures of apartment buildings in China where every parkway and walkway is filled with gardens, this is how the world would be if I ran it.
in L.A., there's a great teacher and gardener named Ron Finley, who's doing exactly that. He lives down in South L.A., which is an area that hasn't had many gardens, nor in fact many grocery stores to sell produce to people. He got tired of having to drive miles and miles just to find fresh fruits and vegetables, and he started growing vegetable gardens right on his property in South Central Los Angeles. And he grew food, both inside the fence and out on the parkway by the sidewalk. Well, the first time he did it, the city came and told him it was illegal to do it, and they made him tear up his gardens. But the next time this happened, and the city cited him, Ron Finley went to court and won the right to grow gardens in the public spaces in front of his house and elsewhere. He is known as the gangsta gardener, and he has done incredible things for his community. There's a great TED Talk that introduces him very well. I was so thrilled to find him. Years ago, when I was first transforming my expensive and wasteful suburban lawn into a wild native habitat, he gave me some pointers. Swoon. Only this geek here would swoon over a master gardener. Oh my God. And his garden is open for anyone who needs food. Imagine you can walk by his place and pick some squash and corn for your dinner. I've always wanted to do that. Of course, everyone around here has food, but there are plenty of places to give extra vegetables away to those in need. I do have a really, really cool lemon tree, and it's right by the street, so neighbors are always stopping and asking if they can take lemons. And lately I've taken to saying, sure, and next time you're at the store, would you pick me up a lime and just leave it at my doorstep? And a couple people actually have. It's the beginning of the barter system here in Northridge. And hey, if some of you really want to geek out, read some history, some poets or some artists or just some biographies of people in past centuries and read what they had to say about their gardens. It's pretty amazing. And it's absolutely no different. Except they had more varieties than we do. Living is good cause the rain is wet And the sun pours down from the sky The seasons turn and your heart forgets All the tears in your eyes Anyhow, even if you have an apartment without a yard, you can still participate in the marvelous event that is spring. You can have a little plant of parsley by your window or a succulent, which is virtually impossible to kill. Or you can have plants in containers on your balcony. If you've never done it before, now's a great time to learn something new about the natural world of which you, believe it or not, are a part. This tiny little plant on your windowsill is your connection to the great and endless marvel that is the Earth, the blue planet with its water, where we've figured out how to grow food and feed ourselves, spinning through this magical and unfathomable universe. Oh man, all that in your little pot of chives. Plants are life. In fact, Ron Finley says that we are basically plants. Even if you don't think you can have a 
plant or a tiny garden, I hope that on your walks with your newly adopted puppy, munching on your freshly baked quarantined banana bread, and listening to Zoom classes on your headphones, you'll take this opportunity to look at the plants and trees in your area and the wonderful birds and insects living in them. This is our true world. This is nature, even in the heart of the city. And it should be clear by now that nature is far more powerful than we. And it's right here, all around us, adapting, dealing with, and as recently demonstrated, overruling our penchant for attempting to stomp it out. Rendering completely helpless our high-tech, high-pollution, attention-deficit world. This is, in the middle of an overwhelming crisis, a chance to open our eyes just a little more and see something that's been here all along talking to us. A lot of folks who never did before are suddenly hearing it and seeing it and feeling it with a great sense of wonder. And a lot more will follow. This is a huge and hopeful step for humanity. Now hold on, I'm a realist, I don't have rose-colored glasses. After all, I've survived as a musician for 50 years. But I do think that enough people discovering their connection to the earth and to nature and to the deeper truths within ourselves during this crisis might at least even the odds that the world might emerge a better place and maybe even save itself. Certainly make a better place for our children and our grandchildren and generations to come. It could happen. Humans are remarkably resourceful and resilient. That is, of course, when we're not busy being destructive monsters. But every year, regardless of what's going on on the planet, spring comes again and brings with it hope and renewal and another chance to learn and evolve. You know, the Renaissance came after the Dark Ages. And maybe we're going to have a Renaissance too. Could happen. One thing's for sure. Spring is indeed here. Smiling. I know that God must 
the Longhouse is a wholly owned production of Wendy Waldman and Longhouse Records. Our executive producer is Mark Newbar, mixed by Rob Hoffman. You can find us at wendywaldman.com, Wendy Waldman Music on Facebook, Wendy Waldman Music at Instagram, and on Spotify. Today you heard some excerpts and a few complete songs. The Walk Across, written by Wendy Waldman from the album My Time in the Desert. No Easy Way Back, The Refugees, from the latest EP, How Far It Goes, written by Deborah Holland, Sidney Bullens, and Wendy Waldman. Wild Bird, written by Wendy Waldman from the third, self-titled Warner Brothers album, produced by the late, great Nick Vinay. You Plant Your Fields, from My Time in the Desert, written by Donnie Lowry and Wendy Waldman. You'll See, written by Wendy Waldman from the album Strange Company, produced by Mike Flicker. Blessing, from the Mietek Szczesniak album Signs, written by Rob Hoffman, Wendy Waldman, and Mietek Szczesniak. And finally, Spring is Here, from the album Wendy Waldman on Warner Brothers Records. The Longhouse is very proud to be the home of the legendary folk music show Folk Scene, now hosted by Alan Larman. Longhouse Records features the work of Wendy Waldman, and in conjunction with Wabaho, the three works of the refugees. Longhouse is also the home of Mietek Czesniak here in America. The Longhouse Music Library is a cross-genre, cross-generational collective of composers and songwriters, including the aforementioned, as well as some works by DJ Shyboy, Mark Newbar, Abraham Parker, and David Pilch, all superb musicians. I want to thank you so very much for spending some time with me today. It's an honor for me. I hope you enjoyed my geek-like ramblings. And of course, the music. I'm wishing all of you good, good health in these difficult times. Peace, patience, hope, and a really cool garden, whatever the size. See you on the flip side. Those of us who tend set about Sitting in